for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. How many people are excited about the Word of God? Come on, come on. I need 10, 10 solid people just excited about the Word of God. Listen, listen. Listen, God gave me a picture in the prayer room. I love these pictures. He said, you know how, how the Word says the Word is alive and active? You know how it, it's alive, right? So He said, listen, just open up the cage and release me and get out of my way and I'll, I'll, I'll go out and do what I need to do. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word, which is alive and active, Lord God. We thank you for your word, which does not return void. So, Father, we just get out of your way. We thank you for your anointed word of God. I thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke of, of depression, of, of any stronghold, of any bondage, of any affections, of any emotions. God, I thank you that your word is already anointed. Father, let it be manifest in this place right now, Lord. Let, the, your, let your presence be manifest in this place, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, all right. Some of you already got rocked during worship. You could just go to sleep. And I'll deal with the rest of us that still need a little bit. Amen? All right. I like to start with a quote each Sunday. And, and so here's, here's this quote. Listen, listen, listen for it. God's love is a transforming love. It meets us right where we are, but when we receive it, it always takes us to where we should be going. The love that saves my soul must also change my life. Wow. We'll get into that a little later on. Here's a, a, another quote that came out during a series of emails that, that uh, um, some of us were writing back and forth. And, and this quote just kind of stuck in my head. And so I, I just wanted to share it with you. Look at this. I know who protects me and I know who comes against me. And the one who comes against me doesn't compare to the one who protects me. Can anybody receive that today? Amen. Hey, that's all some of you needed. You can go. Make room for the rest of us that are slower. Amen? Well, if you're just joining us, we have just started a journey through the book of John in a series titled, Walk It Out. Walk It Out. Walk It Out. See, we've just gotten through the book of Daniel who spoke about the anointed one that was to come. And now we're journeying through John, who's going to teach us who this anointed one really was, who he really is, and where he came from, and what he came to do. Is anybody excited about that? Wow. I just saw stuff jump off of that and go after people. It's going, it's going, it's going. You know, I, I get the picture of, you know, when, when hunters go hunting and they have their dogs... And, and, and you, you know, I've never done this, but, you know, I see it in the movies, right? They shoot the duck, and bam! And, and so the duck is, is dead, and so the hounds go to get the duck, right? And so if, if you brought somebody today, just tell them, you're a dead duck. You're a dead duck. The Word of God is coming after to you. 
after you today and, and, and it's done. You're not going to be able to resist it. It's going to go after you and it's going to bring you to where you need to be. Somebody say amen. All right, Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God saves us not merely to save us from the wrath that we, that we rightly deserve, but also to make something beautiful of us. We're His workmanship. The Greek word is His poema, poemia, which is where we get the word poem. Somebody, would you understand that you are God's poem? Isn't that beautiful? Some of us don't even rhyme. Some of us don't even make sense yet. But we're God's poem. We're God's workmanship. Amen? And so when you talk about workmanship, you know, you talk about, um, you're talking about the way something was made. And I love thinking about that because, like, nobody makes anything for no reason. You ever, like, read of an inventor or somebody that created something for, that does nothing? Right? Everything that was created was meant to do something. You, you understand what I'm saying? Right? Nothing was ever created to do nothing. Like, I made this, and like, wow, you're a brilliant man. Yeah, like, what does it do? It, it does nothing. So what you, you know what I'm saying? If something is created, it was created to, to do something, right? And so the word says that we were created to do good works. Now, understand, works play no part in us securing salvation. Okay? Um, but, but afterwards, Christians will prove their faith by works. Whenever I hear, you know, the, 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 the love that saves me, see, the love that saves me changes me. It, the, when, when, when the Word of God gets in you, you become changed. Do you understand? Something has to happen. Something changes in you. And you see, the, it, it changes the way I talk. It changes the words I use, the way I speak, the way I walk. It changes the pictures I put on my MySpace. Can I get real with you? It, it, it changes it changes the way I say things. It changes the way the things that I write, the posts that I make. Amen? It changes the surveys that I take. See, when God changes you, your whole MySpace changes. You, you might not think I check it, but I check your MySpaces. The worst thing you did is invite the church to become your friend in your MySpace. Because I checked that thing. And, and you know what? I get real suspect of those of you that don't allow us to be your friend. That, that might just be my flesh. But I get real suspect when, when I go to somebody. Oh, I know they're from the church. This profile is private. I wonder why. Why, why, why wouldn't you want your pastor looking at your profile? Why, why can't I log on to your MySpace and just encourage you? How come? Perhaps, per, well, let's not even get into that one. But you, you, you understand, amen? See, I, I check it because, because you know what, I, I, what gets me? Well, I just one of my pet peeves. Somebody comes up to me and says, man, God is doing something in my life. Son, you don't know what God is doing with me. And so that, 
that spurs me to go, let me just do a couple clicks because I can find out real quick what God is doing with you. Amen? And so, so when people tell me that, you know, I just want to scream sometimes, prove it. If God is doing something in your life, show me, show it, do something. Amen? Do something. Stop sending me surveys about your favorite sexual position. I don't want to look at you like that. Amen? And the rest of us don't need to know that. That's TMI. Amen? Too much info. I don't need to know the underwear style that you wear. I, I don't need to because I see it in worship sometimes. But let's not even go there. Let's not even go there. Let's not go there. If God is doing something in you, let it show. That's all I want to say. Amen? Let's not be offended. Let's not send me dirty emails. I love you. Somebody got to just speak it like it is, though. Let me see you walk it out. That's what the... See, the, the title of this series is Walk It Out. The goal of this series is to empower and equip God's people for works of service. For that work that God prepared in advance for us to do. See, if God created me to shine, I want to shine. If he created me to sing, I want to sing. If, man, if God gave me a voice, I'd never shut up. I'd be singing everywhere. If, if, if God created me to dance, I want to dance. Amen? If, if God created me, man, whatever it is that he created me to do, I want to do it. I want to be all about doing it. Can somebody say amen? amen? If it's just that he created me to walk in a way that others can follow, then I want to walk it out. Walk it out. Walk it out. Amen? All right. Now, I need you to understand something before we get any deeper, before we talk about, you know, doing what God called us to do. You know, we're talking about good works or doing the right things. I need you to know there is nothing that you can do to earn the grace of God. Somebody take a deep breath. There is nothing that you can do. Grace is a gift. The true gospel of Christ, the good news is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Anybody receive that? Can anybody just say, thank God? Thank you, God. Now listen, you can find four million people to argue with you, to convince you, to condemn you that you are not good enough. That you don't measure up, that you don't deserve, that you haven't earned, you haven't done enough. Guess what? That is both the mystery and the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I won't teach this so that you can earn God's grace. So that you can be good enough for God to love you. The truth is, you are not good enough. The truth is, you're not worthy enough. The truth is, you can't do enough. You, you're not worthy. But like the song we just heard, it says, So what if I'm not worthy? You have made me clean. You've made me whole. Amen? That is why the gospel is good news. And so the work I'm talking about, the service, the building up of the body of Christ is simply living a life that says, come and see. Come and see what God is doing. Amen? That's, see, that, that, that's what I want my life to be. That's what I want every ministry in this church to be. The voice of one calling in the desert, prepare ye the way for the Lord. That's what I want. I just want to see. Watch how simple this is. Turn to somebody and say, come and see. 
But like, what if you don't understand the doctrine of premillennialism? Come and see. What, is that the easiest thing for you to say to somebody? Come and see. Well, listen, what, what does your church think about this? And what does your church feel about that? Just come and see. Well, well, what has God, what, what do you, do you think God did this? Or do you think God, just come and see. Amen? See, if you haven't tasted God, forget about explaining it. You can't explain it. Amen? Just come and see. So, so let's really look and, and, and let's look at the book of John and see the way John starts his letter. We're looking at John, the book of John, chapter 1. It starts this way. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now that sounds powerful enough to some of us, but it picks up even more when you realize who he's saying it to and how they're, they're receiving this. See, he, he's talking to the Jewish rabbis. When, when the Jewish rabbis often referred to God, they, they, they talked about God in terms of his Word. And so, you know, to, they, they spoke of God Himself as the Word of God. So in the mind of, of the ancient Jews, the phrase, the Word of God, could, be, could refer directly to God. You understand? In the Greek, the Greek philosophers saw the Word of God, they called it the Logos. And so, to the, in, in, in the Greek mindset, the Logos is the power which puts sense into the world. It makes the world orderly instead of chaotic. The Logos was the power that set the world in perfect order and kept it going. They called it the ultimate reason that controlled all things. So therefore, listen to me. In, in this opening, John says to the Jews and to the Greeks, for centuries you've been talking and thinking and writing about the Word. Now I'm going to tell you who He is. Amen? John meets both the Jews and the Greeks where they are at and explains Jesus in a way that they already understood. And see, I love that about the Word of God. It shows us through John and before through the prophets and later through Paul that although the message never changes, the gospel is unchangeable, sometimes the methods have to change. Are you with me? Sometimes the methods have to change. The delivery has to change sometimes. How many of you know it matters how you say things? Doesn't it? Married couples, help me out. Can we say the wrong things? In the, can we say the right things sometimes in the wrong way? I'll give you one example. Honey, do you love me? Of course I do, don't be stupid. How, how much action is that going to get you later on? <laughs> honey, do you, do you love me, honey? I, I, of course I do. Stupid. That's, that's dumb. That's a stupid question. That's the dumbest thing you've ever asked me. Why would you ask me something so stupid? Do, do you understand the difference? What, what does honey want to hear? Honey wants to hear, I, mamita, of course I love you. You are the love of my life. You're the wing beneath my wings. Honey, If it, I love you more than life. I love you more than I did yesterday, but not as much as I'm going to love you tomorrow. Amen? Write that down. Use it. Use it. But wait. Wait a week. Don't, so it doesn't. It matters how we say things, amen? 
Why, well, how, come, how come we can learn that but not, but not bring that into the Word of God and not bring that into church and not bring that into our ministries? There is a difference in telling someone, listen to this, turn to God, you loser, you dirty, good-for-nothing, undeserving, lying, cheating, stealing, murderous, adulterous, heart, bruto, fail, you need God. You need God. Sin vergüenza, you need God. Now that might be all true, you might be dumb and ugly, but how am I showing you the love of God, the unconditional love of God that, that, that wishes that none should perish, the God in whose image you were created, the God who has a plan and a purpose for you, the God who accepts you, who loves you, who adopts you and fathers you as if you were his own child. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.20, I'm going to give you some backup to this so you understand where I'm coming from. 1 Corinthians 9.20, Paul says, To the Jew, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like those under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, I might save some. Wow! Paul is saying, I've learned on the east side how to walk it out. I've learned on the west side how to walk it out. I've learned on the north side how to walk it out. I've learned in my life how to walk it out that I might win some. Can somebody say amen? See, to outside observers, it might have looked like Paul's life was inconsistent. But, but, the, but he consistently pursued one goal. And that one goal was to share the gospel. That one goal was to bring the love of God to a lost and hurting people. What would the Pauls of this generation look like? Would they be rockers, rappers, businessmen, lawyers, doctors, tattoo artists? What would the pause of this generation look like? Here's a question I leave with you to wrestle with. How far do we go? How far would God's love go? I'm not even going to answer that because, you know, there's some questions that your pastor can't answer. If that's all right. If that's not alright, keep looking for a go find another pastor that can answer everything. I believe the Word of God doesn't answer everything for us on purpose. And it's okay to say, listen, I don't know, man, but that's, that's a beautiful thing to wrestle with. What would the poles of this generation, where would they be? What would they be doing? How far would they go to get the love of God to somebody? Now, now listen, don't get it twisted. Paul never used, used it as an excuse to sin. So I'm not, we're not talking compromise. Right? Because we could get this twisted. We could start a whole another doctrine, you know. Well, to the horse, I became a horse, so I might win some. No. Right? That's not, you, you understand, Paul never used it as an excuse to sin. But Paul used it as, as just to, to, let me understand where they're coming from. Let me understand how they see things. And then let me speak to them from that heart. Amen? And that's, and that's the love of God, isn't it? That's the heart of the Father, isn't it? Paul did some unnecessary, unconventional things. 
We read in the book of Acts that he participated in Jewish purification ceremonies, which he knew were not necessary for his life. But just so that he could, it would be helpful in getting ministry done to the Jews. He did it just to build a bridge of ministry to the Jews. Listen, what bridges are you building to the people around you? What bridges are you building at work? What bridges are you building in school? Or, see, because I'm sick and tired of the one or two Christian. This is the one Christian that says, well, I'm a Christian and so I, don't, I can't even talk to you. You curse and I can't talk to you because you curse. I hate people that curse. And so I won't talk to you because you, you, keep, you keep cursing and it bothers me, it offends me. And then, and then there's, the other, there's the other type that's just on the low key and just, no, you know, you know, because sometimes you know, we just got to be and, you know, and, and nothing. How come, you know, can we, just, can we just be somewhere and just be, listen, this is who I am. This is who I am. God loves me and, and I was just like you. I used to do exactly that or I used to live just like that. Or, or if I didn't do that, let, let me tell you what I did used to do. This is who I was, but look at who I am now. Amen? And, and even if you can't explain it that far, then it's so easy. Just go refer back to the... Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Amen? Paul did some unnecessary things. Paul told Timothy to be circumcised. He got quiet. Not because it was necessary for him, but because it would be helpful for him in having ministry to the Jewish people because they knew his father was Greek. What are we willing to have cut for the sake of the gospel? What are we willing to have cut that, that we may reach some? I got to be honest with you. I, I paused after writing that. I wrote, I wrote that and I said, what am I, what am I talking about? What are we willing to have cut? And then it came to me. I've had careers cut. I've had positions cut. I've had salaries cut for the sake of the gospel. I've had friendships cut. I've had relationships cut. I've had possibilities cut. I've had reputations cut for the sake of the gospel to be here with you today that I might win some. Amen? And, and understand, I'm not bragging, I'm not boasting. I am rejoicing for all of you that are here today because I know that many others sacrificed that they might win me. I know that many others gave up some things. They had their lives circumcised in one way or another that I might be one. And ultimately, it just goes back to the gospel. It just goes back to the only sacrifice that was sufficient enough, that was acceptable enough, that was perfect enough. The only sacrifice which was the Word who was with God and who was God and, and, and who, who became flesh and lived among us. Wow. Wow. Let's get back into John. Remember, John's purpose is that we may know who this Jesus is. And John makes it totally clear right in the first chapter that this Jesus is God. Now, this is a problem with a lot of, a lot of uh, um, doctrines and a lot of things. But, but John makes it totally clear by saying that all things were made through Him. John sounds like Genesis 1.1 where it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and earth. Well, John says that without him, nothing was made that was ever made. Do you understand the connection? 
with this one brilliant statement, John 1.1, he sets forth one of the most basic foundations of our faith, which is the three-in-one God, the Trinity. Now, we can fo- let's follow John's logic real quick. He says there is a being known as the Word. In the beginning, so this being means this being known as the Word was in the beginning, so this being is eternal. And then it says, and the Word was God. So this being is God because He's called God, right? And so then it says, and the Word was with God. So wait a minute, how can something be God and be with God? So at the same time, this being does not encompass all that God is. Because God the Father is a distinct person from the Word. Uh, You with me? So the Father and the Son, and the Son is known here as the Word, are equally God, yet distinct in person. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father, yet they're equally God. With God the Holy Spirit making one God in three persons. Such a simple concept, but so not simple to understand. Amen? And I can tell by the dumbfounded looks on your face right now. KK. We'll get into that. We'll get deeper into that as we go throughout this series. But listen, the next verse says, In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. I love this. It says, the Word is saying that the Word is life and light. And so we can say that without the Word, we are dead and in darkness. Right? And isn't it something that those are the two biggest fears that we're born with? The things that we're scared of the most, death and darkness. We're born with that and the Word says that that's what He is. And and so the Word continues and it says, And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. The Amplified says the darkness has never overpowered it. This, it could be translated, did not overcome it. There's a principle here. Listen, the light cannot lose against the darkness. The darkness will never overpower the light. How many of you ever walk into the room that you want to go to sleep and say, turn down, turn up the darkness? What do we say? Turn down the light. Think about that. We can't turn up the darkness, right? You, you have to turn down the light. See, there's a principle that the Word of God is establishing here. Victory is always dependent on the light. Darkness can never overpower the light. Darkness is simply the absence of light. That'll wrestle with some of your theologies right there. What's evil? Evil is the absence of good. You you get it? Darkness is just the... Darkness cannot overpower the light. The only way darkness can have victory over the light is when we turn down the light. If you want victory in your life, you need to turn up the light. This is, if you get a hold of this, you'll be a different person today. See, if there's areas in your life in darkness, turn up the light. If there's depression, turn up the light. What's the light? The light is the Word of God. If there's anger issues, turn up the light. If there's, if there's just, just deep depression and emotion, turn up the light. If there's relationship drama, turn up the light. If there's all kinds of baby mama and whatever drama, turn. If there's sexual type of stuff, turn up the light. In the light, things look different. Turn up the light. In the light, things look different. 
You say, but I'm never going to be this. I'm never going to. I already gave my virginity away. I already did this. I'm never going to do. I'm in the light things. Wait, in Jesus, I'm a new creation. That sounds like virginity to me. In Je- I'm a new creation. Wait a minute. Therefore, there is no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute. Things look different in the light. If you're having problems in the darkness, turn up the light. Amen. Okay, the next big mention in John chapter 1, it says, There came a man who was sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. Let me tell you a little bit about John the Baptist, because he is a picture of what our ministries should look like. You got to get, get this. The prophet, let me tell you a little bit about him, a little info on him. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 43 and 5 prophesied that John would be coming over 700 years before he came. I, I, I don't understand how people could, could talk about this book. and You, you can't, none of us can do that. We can't mess, mess with something that's going to happen 700 years later and speak it today like you know it. Unless the word of God gave you that. Do you understand the power behind the word of God? And so Isaiah prophesied prophesied 700 years before. He said, there's going to come a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the wilderness, a highway for our God. A little bit about John. John was a Levite. His father was a temple priest. John and Jesus were second cousins. Did you know that? Their mothers, Mary and Elizabeth, were cousins. John was born six months before Jesus, we learn in Luke 1, and he died six months before Jesus, we learn in Matthew 3. So he came in six months and left six months before. Wow. Listen, the angel Gabriel separately announced the birth of both Jesus and John. You need to understand, why does this matter? Because it, it says, the word tells us that people went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea, the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John's ministry was so big and so popular that people thought he was the Messiah. What does that have to do today? Sometimes the ministries get so big, that we think we're the Messiah. Sometimes the ministries get so big. Sometimes, you know, I can drop a couple of names and you'll all know them and be like, wow, you know, yeah, whatever. And I was like that too, man. I used to, and I still, you know, I want to be like certain. I always tell everybody I want to be a black preacher. That was like the, my goal in life. When I first got saved, I want to be a black preacher. I want to breathe heavy and I want to just have that anointing and I want to sweat. And so far, all I got is the sweat part. That's, that's the only part I picked up. But, but G- John's ministry was so popular that some wondered if he was the Messiah. And he answered consistently, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. John 3.28 With the ministry, when the ministry of Jesus began, John recognized that his own mission was nearing its end. Listen, when Jesus starts in somebody, that's when we need to decrease. He says, I must, he must become greater, I must become less. I must decrease so that he can increase. Those were the words of John the Baptist. 
Can you imagine what would happen if all of God's ministers today had that humility that John the Baptist demonstrates here? He had a big popular ministry. There are so many huge ministries today, but listen, the temptation in ministry is to forget that we are just a voice. We're just a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Preparing and pointing. We're just a, a voice that says, come and see. Come and see what God has done in my life. Come and see what God has done in the life of our church. Come and see what God has done in the life of my family. Come and see. We're just a voice calling in the wilderness. John spoke of himself as simply a voice. He didn't pose as a great man to be praised and admired. He was just a voice, not to be seen, but just to be heard. John was the voice. Christ was the word. The word needs a voice to make it known. The voice is of no value without the word. The messenger has no value without the message. Or if we had that humility, we'd be doing bigger things than we're doing now. Amen? We'd, we'd have all the churches together, working together. If, if we realized that we're just the, that the messenger without the message has no value, then we'd be working together to take every block one by one by one by one, one building at a time, saying, listen, this whole building across the street, I'm just shouting, preparing a way in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way for the Lord. Come and see. Without the, the word is infinitely greater than the voice, but it can be our privilege to be a voice for Him. Amen? And so what God has pressed in my heart, what I want to teach with this series, is that we need to be a voice. We don't have to have it all figured out. We just need to be a voice that, that walks it out in our communities, that walks it out in our jobs, in our schools. A voice that simply says, come and see. John the Baptist was baptizing Jews and Greeks. And his was a baptism of repentance. It was a stepping out and saying, I want to be clean. I want to turn from my old ways. I want to do things differently. I want to be differently. Listen, let me close with this. It's Palm Sunday. And tradition has it that Palm Sunday we distribute palms. So that we can remember Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And we did get the palms and we are going to distribute them. And, and later on you'll be able to make all these little crosses and you'll be able to make the ducks and the flowers and you'll be able to, to make all those funny things that you can make. I just ask that you take them with you. Whenever you leave this place, you, you, you can build whatever it is you want to build with them. Take as many as you like. Do anything you want. Make little crosses for your cars. Make little crosses for your doors. Make crosses for your neighbors, for your kids, whatever it is. Amen? But I want you to take note of one thing on Palm Sunday. If I, it just, just to make this Palm Sunday, and, and it still ties in with the Word of God. Listen to this. The same people that praised Him. The same people that laid down palms that he may walk in front of, that laid down their own garments, the same people that praised him and laid down announcing his entry into Jerusalem, those same people that gathered to watch him riding on a donkey and they sang songs and they worshiped with all of their heart and they praised him and they said, blessed be the Lamb of God and they said, Hosanna in the highest and Hosanna and, and the same people that watched this triumphal presentation 
place where the same, some of the same people that later on that week, that very week, shouted, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Verse 10 says, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Listen, they traded the righteous for the unrighteous. They were given the choice, should we release Jesus or should we release Barabbas? They were given the choice between the righteous and the unrighteous and they chose the unrighteous over the righteous. Verse 12, here's the good news. Verse 12 says, yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Can we just bow our heads for a moment? There's a choice there, obviously. And what I'm going to ask you to do today, how I want to end this time, our time together today, I want to ask you to do exactly the opposite of what was done that Palm Sunday. I want you to trade the unrighteous for the righteous. People laid down these palms and many laid down their own clothes before Jesus. But later, when Jesus didn't do what they thought he was going to do, when he didn't respond the way they wanted him to, they said, give us Barabbas. Trading the righteous for the unrighteous. I want you to turn that around today. I want us to lay down our unrighteousness today. And I want us to take a palm in remembrance of what God did for us. Would you do that with me today? Would you, let's just stand for a moment as we just keep our, our spirits bowed. Sometimes we, it's easy for us to, you know, we, we get emotional and we get carried away in some things. And so, and, and so we, we say, Hosanna, praise God. Glory to God in the highest. We have our little religious moments. But when it comes down to our personal life, when it comes down to our MySpace, and I'm not just talking about the internet thing, I'm talking about our MySpace. We'll trade the unrighteous for the righteous. And so I want to challenge you today. Let this, let, let's go into Easter. Let's go into this time of remembrance what God did for us. Let's go into this time saying, God... I'm going to trade my unrighteousness for your righteousness. I'm going to do exactly the opposite of what was done. And so I'm going to ask you even right now, if there's things that God's been dealing with you, there's things in your heart, there's things maybe you didn't even respond to the first time there was a call here already today. But you're saying, God, I want to, I want to deliver my unrighteousness and I want to choose righteousness. Would you just come down? Would you just come down, grab, grab a couple of palms, hold them in your hand as a symbol that you're trading. I'm laying down my unrighteousness and God, I'm proclaiming your righteousness. Would you grab a psalm with a palm and in your heart, just, just start to say Hosanna in the highest. 
Hosanna in the highest. Come on, God, God already showed me that His word, if I just uncaged it, that it was going to go after you. And, it was, and God has already been dealing with some of you on some things. God has been showing you some things. This is not the time to, to be shy. This is not the time to hold back. I told you there's, life, there's parts of your lives that are dark. If there's darkness in your life, then we need to turn up the light. This is a way that we turn up the light. Just come and lay down your unrighteousness. Take up God's righteousness and know that, that, God's, that God is your righteousness today receiving that just hold it just hold it up as we worship go ahead guys Supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.